0: what is up everybody welcome to comic book club i'm alex i'm pete and we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet we're live over on youtube the old tubes we're also live on crowdcast or maybe we're coming to you later as an audio podcast wherever you get your audio podcasts that's all good thank you for listening thank you for tuning in we appreciate it Uh, now as you may notice justin our third host is off today he's once again traveling across the united states it's is... hard being a line producer you gotta get mm-hmm. those lines straight you know exactly I mean? well that's the thing is they're doing that show where they walk straight across the united states i believe yeah and he has to make sure they're in a line because that's what a line and they're does. drinking in the desert right now right drinking the cactus juice we don't want to spoil what's going on with the show he is actually working on a show. Uh, it's pretty cool. I think he talked about it in the podcast before, but yeah. uh, whatever it is, we're not going to spoil the big events that happen in it. Uh, hopefully, th- he should be back from, I believe, Hawaii next week. Let's <laughs> oh <my laughs> we'll see God. what happens. It's nice being Justin. I tell you what. Yeah. He's just relaxing, having some Mai Tais, and that's pretty much it. That's all he does. That's all he does. Speaking of which, we should move it over to the drinking portion of our show now as frequent listeners slash watchers know. Stray Bullet, Brett Macris. Stray Bullies. Our CBC chef has been choosing, curating, and designing drinks for every week on the show. Now, on the Stack podcast, I believe last week, Justin talked about this uh, TV show called Johnny Bago that, through a little bit of research, we discovered was on for like three months or something like that and got stuck in his memory. So Brett designed a drink, I'm just going to pull it up here, called Justin's Bago. (laughs) Ah. There you go. It Don't is... give that guy any more ego. He doesn't need it. Ah, it's a pretty good drink, though. It's bourbon yeah. or whiskey, sweet vermouth, Averna, Amaro, Fernat, Branca, Peychaud's Bitters, and two Luxardo cherries or Amarena cherries. Um, I didn't have all of that, so I made a Boulevardier, which is about half those ingredients. But I'm going to try to aim for next week to make the bago because uh, Brett's I, been making some great drinks. I knew what two of those ingredients in that were. <laughs> one of them is ice do you know what ice is yeah our three my bad okay there we go pete what are you drinking tonight what's going on well usually we talk about that later but uh yeah i'm
1: drinking a little uh vodka and uh, a little ginger you know a little vodka ginger, mm. ginger ale not like pure raw cut ginger right oh uh, yeah no i get the straight cut of <laughs> ginger <I> just slice <laughs> it into my drink you know thin slice
0: i mean that wouldn't be terrible you could try it.
1: Uh, yeah, I've I've definitely uh as uh had the roots in there while
0: and and baka before. That's great. That's great news. I'm glad to hear. it. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Tell you what, why don't we move on from this and bring our amazing guest into oh, the feed here. We're big fans of his. Love Just be all cool. Of Just work. be cool. All right. Oh, I'll be all the one who needs to be cool. He yeah. is currently writing on Punisher, Avengers Forever and a bunch of other books. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Aaron. Hello. hello. Well,
2: I, did, I didn't know we were drinking, so I ran to get a drink real quick.
0: Oh, Oh, nice! nice. Wait, what are you you. drinking? What do you have?
2: I got just some Angel's Envy rye. It's rye finished in Caribbean rum cask. Ooh, Ooh. nice! That's lovely. You know, in a little little Thor glass.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah, That's awesome. Cool. I also love your shirt. That's a very cool shirt. Yeah. Little candle fingers and everything.
2: Oh, thanks. This is a wrestling shirt. Malachi Black. He used to, he used to be Aleister Black. This is Black shirt mm-hmm. from when he was in WWE, but now he's in AEW. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so, why don't yeah, we... Awesome.
0: While we're talking about Logos Insignias, why don't we jump right into it and talk about Punisher, <laughs> who has gotten a big redesign. Now, Pete... Yeah. As a resident Punisher fan, I know uh, he was, like a lot of Punisher fans, a little iffy uh, about changing up the classic Skull logo. But at the same time, we love the first issue. I don't want to speak for you, Pete, but I thought it was awesome. Um, and uh, what I know you've talked about this a lot, but what went into the redesign? Obviously, there's a big story behind the redesign. There's been a lot of discussion about it. But from your perspective... Where did, where did that germ start to go from, Hmm, maybe we should think about changing the Punisher skull logo to actually starting to become a reality.
2: I mean, those are kind of two different questions, I guess. I mean, part of it is the, yeah, of course for a while, there've been all sorts of questions and discussions about the Punisher sort of inside Marvel, outside Marvel, you know, what does this character mean now? Um, how do we do stories with this character? What do we, you know, how, what, what does that skull mean? So there's all, there was all sorts of stuff swirling around and, but for me, really, it was just about telling a story. I mean, I kind of stepped forward in the midst of one of our Marvel retreats as we're kind of, as these questions are all circulating around the room. And I said, look, I, I have an idea. Like I wasn't really prepared to pitch it that day, but I was like, how about we do this? You know, and I basically pitched the story that we're now doing, which I think is, again, started not not me coming in saying, hey, that, you know, the skull's a problem. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. This is a way to fix that or address that. It, it definitely started with me saying this is an idea I have. I, I think this can address some of the things we have concerns about without just being a thing. A story that changes this character to another character. It was never about that. It was uh, very much about who is this guy? Who is this character? What does he mean? Not what does he mean to people who you know appropriate that symbol or all the other questions swirling around about him, but what has he meant in the pages of the stories that we've been telling about him for you know four decades, however long it's been.
1: Well, that's. A- oh, I don't mean to cut you off.
2: No, I think I mean that to me that was. Uh, you know you, you can never answer everybody's questions and concerns sure. about all that fully and people will kind of believe what they want to believe and i uh, same thing with thor i mean i think when i was doing jane foster thor people assume well marvel must have told you to do this or that and it's i've never written a story that somebody forced me to do you know smart and, and punisher is the same thing like this is a story i wanted to tell um and the 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 skull changing, you know, is very much a part of that story, but it is not about changing who Frank Castle is. If anything, it is about drilling down to answer that question of who he is, who he has always been, what led him to this point. And as he takes kind of that next step in his evolution, we see why and see that the threads go back to, you know, to, to why he became the Punisher in the first place.
1: Well, that's what's so exciting is, you know, uh, as somebody who's a a Punisher fan and and a huge fan of your writing, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen because, you know, I know or I think I understand a little bit about like what Frank Castle is about and what motivates him and what kind of drives him. So that was what's so exciting about the kind of first issue. Uh, And, you know, and a lot of people are asking me, what do you think? And I was kind of in shell shock from it because uh we know what happened to frank and why he turned into the punisher so you know to me it's he wanted to protect like okay nobody has to go through this again if i kind of wipe out the bad guys you know you know uh, people can have picnics and uh, enjoy their uh, loved ones uh right uh, and i can try to help and make make it better but the fact that like now we see him uh kind of you know back with his uh with the love of his life what does that mean for the other side and what does that mean for what he is and just the fact that like he doesn't have to work so hard like they're bringing him the bad people and he can just sit there and have them lined up for him is insane and it was kind of like it's been a while since I've read a first... You know, Usually a first issue is great. They <laughs> set up a world, get things kind of set up. And you're excited for more. But I was kind of floored of like, I have no idea uh, what
0: this I means am- for this character. Pete, I love that clearly you've been sitting on this monologue all day and you got all of your thoughts <laughs> together in one place. That's awesome. I'm just kind of uh, uh, talking just from the reaction of reading. Yeah, it, yeah, but- yeah. Well, I mean... To get to what you were talking about a little earlier, Jason, though, and to wrap up a little bit of what Pete's talking about, one of the things that I really loved about this issue, we don't have this page up right now, but you almost started off with the all-star Superman intro of the Punisher, just like this very simple, very direct intro. What went into crafting that? How difficult was it to really distill down who the Punisher was in a few simple pages? You mean,
2: which parts do you mean just like the... I mean, we open just with, the very, like, the flashback and then...
0: Yeah, the very beginning of the issue, you start, for anybody who hasn't read it, you start with the uh, the picnic, but not, you never see it's Frank, you never see it's wife, it's just all very, like, close-ups of pieces and bodies and things, and then you have this double-page splash of just the
2: Punisher throughout history. What went right. into building that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I wanted to open with a flashback to that day in the park, which I... I mean, as you kind of alluded to, makes more sense by the time you get to the end of the issue. I mean, I guess if you, you know, you should maybe stop listening now if you don't want to know more (laughs) about Punisher number one um, and that there's kind of a big shock at the end of it. But so I needed to kind of, I mean, we all know, you know, we all know the origin. We all know what happened, but I wanted to remind you a little bit of, of what went on, but also to do something that was more visceral and was very much from, frank's point of view you know those three or four pages however long it is they're all we're looking through frank's eyes and that you know um and that leads into that moment as he as his 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 wife has has just died he falls we see as his eyes are closing they're either i, I like the idea that it goes red right it's not just mm-hmm. he closes his eyes and it's all black the page turns red This blood seeping into his eyes, or he closes his eyes and all he sees is red. Either way, that leads into, you know, the paramedics are asking him, trying to keep him awake, trying to keep him talking, asking him, like, who, you know, what's your name? Who are you? Who are you? And that leads into, like you said, this double page spread where I just said, look, let's pull awesome images from, you know, 40 years worth of Punisher stories and show you this is the answer to that question, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, he answered that question by becoming the punter, by becoming this guy and that's who he's been for decades and we see what he's been doing. And then that, you know, you flip the page and it's like next chapter, right? Like this is where that character goes next. Mm
0: -hmm. Just
2: to drive home, like, because believe me, like I've heard all the concerns from people as soon as we'd showed that, Symbol, which I knew as new as soon as we announced it and we showed it's a different symbol. I knew what that reaction would be. Oh, they're changing the Punisher because of this because of that. So I wanted you to see from the opening of this issue. It's the guy, you know, you know, (laughs) it's that same story we've been telling. It's continuing on. We're not just flipping the script and making him somebody he's never been before. It's the same dude. He's going through some different stuff than he's been through before but it all has roots back in in the the character that I'd say no and love. I feel weird saying I love the Punisher. I do. Hey, I'm fascinated, fascinated by that. Life. He's one of those characters that I you know, I'm I'm deeply interested in and also terrified of. You know, I'd never certainly never want to have a beer with, right? Like <laughs> Thor. That I'd love to have a beer with Thor. Oh, That'd yeah. be awesome. Frank Castle, not, not so much. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, given that,
0: and Pete was talking about this a little bit then, what do you think the appeal of The Punisher is?
2: Well, I mean, it's the, I think you can look at that kind of over the evolution over the decades, right? Like, um, I think we most think of him kind of equating with that sort of vigilantism of the that became so big in the 80s, you know, like kind of the Death Wish sort of story of like, This is the guy who won't take any more shit, who will stand up to the the worst of the worst and deal with them in a way, you know, they quote unquote need to be dealt with. Right. Like law aside, you know, who sees the sees the world in very simple terms. Right. To Frank Castle, there is black and there is white and that is it. There's no gray. You know, like you cross this line. I'm going to kill you and you're going to be dead. And that's it. End of story. No discussion. Um, So I think. There's always something attractive about that, some sort of wish fulfillment of that. Um, but I think the way I've always looked at the Punisher, and I think the way I wrote him in the Punisher Max series I did, and this is sort of like you guys were saying, um, He he does Frank doesn't see himself as a role model or a hero. If anything, he does this job so nobody else has to do it. But he knows this is a road you don't want to go down, like, do not follow me guys. Right. Like yeah. it's not a good path. And you know, however that path goes for him, there's no happy ending. There's no rainbow at the end of it. Right. Like nothing good things. The perfect happy ending does not await Frank castle. Um, so I think the, to me, the, the thing I've, uh, enjoyed the most about writing this series so far which I'm, i've written 7 or 8 issues at this point like we're really far yeah. ahead on it um is what you know what comes from the ending like you said from the that surprise at the end of issue 1 um that's sort of a different scenario than we've seen for frank and i i don't think you can assume right away you know how that scenario is going to play out it's been yeah. it's been very fun exploring that what that means for Frank and what that means for the other person involved, you know, who has never really had a voice before in, in the pages of, of the That's comics. True.
0: Well, why don't we, I'll give a big spoiler warning here for anybody who hasn't read the first issue, if it's okay. So it's been out for a while. I think we can talk about the end here. If you don't want to know, sure. tune out, check <laughs> out whatever uh, you guys want to do. The awesome ending here. The big twist is that, Frank Castle is working for the Hand. The reason it seems he's working for the Hand is they have managed to resurrect his wife. She is in his bed at the end. So in my impression, again, based on one issue, is that essentially you're challenging Frank on both ends. You have him working for the Hand. Uh, You know, he's killing murderers. He's killing rapists. He's killing all these terrible people. But he's also working for one of the most evil organizations in the Marvel Universe. So you're challenging him on that end. And the other end... By bringing back his wife, even though you're giving what he wants, you're challenging his whole reason for doing this in the first place. So is that kind of on the right track in terms of maybe how we're heading down the road?
2: Yes, I would say yes on both of those <laughs> fronts. Um Yeah, I mean, I think Frank sees the hand as a weapon, right? Like as a weapon he can use to, to fight his war. He's still, like you said, he's still fighting the same war. He's still killing the same guys he was killing before. Now he can kill them in, you know, in bigger numbers. Yeah. Um, and we see, we, we also see because Maria is by his side, again, he has something to kind of fight to protect and a reason to want to maybe actually end his war once and for all. Right. Like to, mm-hmm. to ride off into the sunset. Um, I, yes. I think that raises all kind of questions. Christ. Um and as for the, you know, we 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 kind of get a tease and you get more info in the second issue of why the Hand is doing this, um, sort of why they see Frank Castle as, you know, the guy who needs to be um, their new high slayer, who needs to be um, the model that they should follow. We get a lot more of that in issue too. Um, and yeah, we we will explore all those questions. You know, the people have asked, like we've kind of seen over the years we've seen teases of where some bad guy would dig up Frank's wife and child and you'd get a sort of brief image of them resurrected in some sort of zombified, horrified form. And Frank would set them on fire and kill the guy or just. I remember that. Yeah. That's That's happened a couple of times. So the question is, why is this different? Um, We will answer that as we go. I think you can, I mean, you'll see right away of, so Maria is back. She's not a zombie, you know. That last image, which I love, that the, the, what Jesus did on that last page
1: of—oh yeah, the art's great.
2: Thank yeah, I say thanks. I didn't I didn't draw shit, but yeah, they, <laughs> they drew the, the the Jesus and Paul both drew the hell out of this series. But you know, Maria is covered in bullet scars, right? Like she was riddled with bullets, which again we saw in those opening couple of pages. That's not going away. It's not like she's. Um, who she was before that day in the park. She is the same woman who was gunned down in the park that day and still covered with those scars. Um, So the big question going into issue two is what the hell does she think of all this? What does she understand about any of this? And those are, those are questions that are, you know, I'm having a lot of fun answering as we go.
1: Well, I I'm, I've been, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, but you had so, mentioned...
2: Thanks, that- thank you guys for for digging it. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. man.
1: So excited. So uh, you had mentioned you had, like, an idea you weren't kind of ready yet, but something was kind of brewing. of, like, oh, I have this idea for Punisher while you were at the, kind of, Marvel uh, conference. Um, how do you, kind of, like, uh, create ideas? Do you, kind of, like, does it start with you see something that, kind of, like, clicks for you, or do you, kind of, like, uh, take characters and, kind of, spin them out a little bit, or, like,
2: How did this kind of a germ start? I mean, just ideas in general, you know, it depends. Like, they're all kind of different in terms of how they start. Sometimes things just kind of come out of the blue. Sometimes I sit down, you know, like with when I started Thor, I said, okay, I think I want to write Thor. And just sat down, I need to figure out a Thor idea. So with I think with this Punisher story, you know, I had written Punisher Max years ago, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, but that, you know, and it had Kingpin and had Bullseye in it, but it was still, it was a different world, right? It was the Max universe. So I'd never really written Frank in a big way in the Marvel universe. And I, to my mind, you know, kind of since you look at the evolution of that character and kind of everything led to, in my mind, those 60 or so issues of Punisher Max that Garth Ennis did, which was sort of like, you know, really defined who that character is. And to me, the question has always been like, you know, what do you do next? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. doing a Western the day after unforgiven came out. It's like, (laughs) how do we do this? And I think the real challenge is how do you do that in the Marvel universe? How do you do that in a world that's got Spider-Man in it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we've seen a lot of great stories, you know, by the, um, from Greg Rucka and, and Matt Rosenberg's run. You've seen a lot of writers tackle that, that challenge. Um, but I, I'd never really tried to tackle that cause I'd never really written Frank in any significant way in the, in the Marvel U. And then I wrote him in war of the realms. I added him to war of the realms, which I thought, yeah, you know, big huge war story makes sense to have Frank in that. And I liked, you know, first time I wrote um, Frank and Wolverine, you know, chatting with each other, which I think is just page. Um, of their big, re- you know, reunion, like them catching up. Um, I think that's kind of what just got me thinking of like, you know, well, if I was going to do a Punisher in the Marvel U story, what would that be? You know, I, I wanted to do something like, can I do a story that, um, you know, has that same darkness and greediness and the, the sort of emotional power of that character, like you get from um, the Mac stuff, but to, do that while also enmeshing the character in the toys of the Marvel U. So I came up with like two or three ideas out of that, and this was the one I liked the most. Um, So, yeah, but I think that's kind of where it all came from.
0: I mean, on that note, given that he is in the Marvel U now, he is not in charge of the Hand, but working for the Hand. And you do have other characters like Daredevil, who used to run the Hand. You have other characters like Spider-Man who are constantly coming into conflict with him in different ways. Are we going to see him colliding with the rest of the Marvel Universe going forward? Or is this more still self-contained, focused on the Punisher, focused on the Hand, focused on what they're doing? I mean I you
2: know I, I think you'll just have to wait and see. Um right. I would say um you know this I, I mean Frank Castle being in the, being with the Hand leading a group of hand ninjas around the world I think if people find out about that um that would that would raise some attention among the other heroes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we'll just have to see. We got we got 12 issues to play with like I said. I'm almost I'm more than halfway through at this point. Um, and it only it only gets darker and crazier as it goes.
0: Uh, and this is another thing that probably is way too far afield, but I'll ask it anyway. Obviously, it's an open question. You could never say, like, this is permanently the way it is forever in comics because that's right. it's for comics. But is this the sort of thing, like, it's just these 12 issues, and then he's going to go back to the skull, and he's going to go back to Punisher, or is there a dot, 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 potentially going further than that as uh, this
2: might be his new ongoing status quo. Well, I mean, I, that's a difficult question to answer mm-hmm. in a couple of ways. One, this is, this is much of, you know, this is a 12 issue series that we're doing that is very much one big story. So I, without ta- telling you how that ends, yeah. um, I can't really answer that. <laughs> I, um, uh, the in 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 my mind if I never like if the Punisher disappears forever after issue twelve of this or I die the day after it comes out Aww. and I never get to write Aww. this character again thank you for thank you for being sad of my <laughs> I appreciate it but if i if i if I never write this character again um I think I would be okay like i am I'm trying to feel like this is my this is my one time at bat to write Mm -hmm. this guy in a big way in the Marvel universe. I want to put everything I want to do in these 12 issues, say everything I want to say. That's not to say I wouldn't ever want to write the character again, but I feel like if I, Mm. if I don't, if I needed to walk away after this, or if that character disappears forever, I'm just trying to make this the biggest, um, most powerful Punisher story, (sighs) you know, we can, we can possibly do. That's awesome. Uh,
1: Uh, So you've, uh, you know, written a lot of amazing, uh, uh stories. Uh, you know, we've uh, loved a lot of different kind of adventures that you've gone on. Like what is it that really still makes you the happiest as a writer in comics? Is it like getting back the, you know, the first time you see the drawings of after you send a script, is it the initial idea that kind of gets you excited is it, you know, just like seeing your name on the cover of a comic book, which to me would feel like the greatest joy I've ever, but you know, <laughs> for you, what is
2: it that really kind of like gets you going? I mean, th- all of those are still cool. Like none of them have gotten old. Like I'm not, I haven't gotten jaded about any of that stuff. It's all still weird and surreal, you know, drive to my local comic book shop and see books that I wrote on the shelf that, that never gets old. Um, so all those things still make me happy. But I, I mean, I think for me the, the the happiest part of it is still the writing itself. Like I, Mm -hmm. I've never been one of those writers who's kind of glad to have written. Like I, I like writing the act of writing itself to me is like, I don't, I don't know. It makes me happy. It makes me feel like a healthy functioning person. It's a, it, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's like a fundamental part of like who I am and what I do. And mm-hmm. probably has been since I was, you know, like 12 years old. Um, the, so I, I, I love that. Like it, it, you know, it's a very solitary job. I sit here by myself. I type up this thing. That's really just for me. Like I'm doing a comic that I enjoy that I want to read. I can't control what anybody else thinks, right? I don't know. I don't know how to write a comic for you guys. I don't know how to write a comic for anybody else except for me. I know what I like and what makes me happy and what I respond to emotionally. And the hope is that if if I feel that way about it, if if I like it, if I feel affected by it, hopefully other people out there will as well, right? And generally they do. Um, but I, you can't control that. To me, it's still just a very solitary. Um kind of selfish job. I'm kind of just doing shit to make <laughs> myself happy and everything that uh, I genuinely feel like everything that happens after that, like I, once I turn that script in everything else is kind of just gravy. You know, I mean the the thing actually getting drawn by these amazing artists and becoming a, a book that people buy and respond to and that becoming a job that, you know, pays my light bill. All of those things are great and amazing, and I, I love them to death. Um, but it kind of all starts with just that joy and happiness that I get from doing the thing in the first place, you know? I don't. And hopefully I feel that way um, up until I die. I mean, hopefully I'm still doing that. Hopefully I die writing. Like, that's my plan. Wow. It's just a, yeah. not anytime well, I I soon. As far as
0: I heard, hopefully the day after the Punisher, right after you've done the Punisher. <laughs> don't right. put that out there like that. I don't no, know. I didn't man. say it. I'm just saying <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, all this fun you're talking about, though, I think that actually segues nicely into talking about Avengers, because we've talked about, I think, every issue so far of Avengers, of Avengers Forever. And one of the things that we almost constantly bring up when we're talking about the book on our stock, Stack podcast is it feels in the absolute best way like you're playing with a box of toys that you have and just bring them out and sometimes like switching the heads a little bit and mixing them together. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so much fun. It's so much. It's so joyful to read. It's nice to hear that's clearly what's coming through the writing process
2: as well. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea, you know, with Avengers, I wanted to play with like the, the, the biggest coolest toys in the, in the toy box in the Marvel universe, right? Not just the characters we've got on the team, but everybody else we could add to the mix Uh, and just make each arc feel big, you know, like an event level um, challenge, um, like it needs to when you're dealing with such a powerful group of, of characters. So it's been, you know, it's been a crazy time over the course of that Avengers run. Just everything that's happened, yeah. I, I think, with everybody working on the book, with the world at large, like it's it's all been a strange time. So it's, if anything, you know, the last couple of years have made me double down on trying to make the book more fun. You know, it didn't. Um, I didn't want to, this doesn't need to be a book that represents the world outside our, our window, right? Like, I do think I realized at some point that I'd kind of been writing a team book that still felt in some way to be about isolation. Mm. Um, so I think you can <laughs> parse that out yourself in the pages of the book. But uh, if if anything, it's, it, I've just doubled down to try to make it even more fun and, and bigger and bigger and um, you know, adding Avengers Forever to the mix and working with Aaron Cooter and getting to do all these different, you know, uh, multiversal versions of different characters—we're we're kind of throwing all that together. And you'll there, there you go—that's awesome <laughs> cover by by Aaron. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. I who, mean,
1: the art really reflect reflects the kind of brightness and fun of it. I mean, you're just looking at that, and it's just. Uh, it sets such a great tone for your writing. It, you know, yeah, Aaron
2: Salsam. So. Awesome. I I have been like we he and I have talked about working together for years, and we haven't until this. I did become suspicious at some point that he really just wanted to work with me so that when our last names were on the cover of the book, it would say that it was by Aaron Cooter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it has still it has still worked out well and <laughs> and. You know, the if you whether you've been reading Avengers so far or not, I think um, everything that I've been doing for you know now fifty plus issues in Avengers and this first first arc in Avengers Forever that all will start to smash together in a really gigantic way later this year, come this fall. Mm. Um, and as I've as I've kind of talked about, you know the 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 threads that lead into that story are not just threads from those 50 issues of Avengers, but threads that go back through the, you know, the six, seven years I wrote Thor back to when I wrote um, Wolverine for six years, back to Ghost Rider, which was my first, um, you know, ongoing gig at Marvel. You kind of very much seeing characters and elements from those arcs, those, those runs all leading into what I'm doing um, later this year with the Avengers.
0: And we definitely saw that in the last issue of Avengers forever, which was so cool and brought in those things you're talking about, the Wolverine of it all, the Thor run of it all. Um, I did specifically want to ask you about centering Robbie Ray's ghost Rider. Uh, What is appealing about that character in particular to you? Because he seems at least in the first arc of Avengers forever, maybe the most important person in the multiverse. Yeah.
2: You know, I, 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 I clearly have a, an affinity for the ghostwriters. I loved um, my run on that series years ago, loved writing yes. Blaze and Catch back then. I was always more, like growing up, I was more a Johnny Blaze guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I didn't read as much of the Catch stuff when it was coming out. Um, but I liked, as I, once I started Avengers, I knew I wanted to put a ghostwriter on the team kind of from the get-go. Before I even had Avengers, like whenever I'd think about my Avengers line up it had a ghost writer in it um even though i as the ghost writer writer uh <laughs> i always felt like that character functioned best being off in their own corner you know to do those kind of ghostwriter stories like i wanted to do but i wanted to do something different like an, and robbie was the perfect character for that because he was new he's a different kind of ghostwriter. his origin you know didn't seem to be the same as the other guys it's, powers were different he drives this badass car instead of a, a motorcycle um and and like i said he's the kid he's the new guy like he's just been fighting crime around the streets of of la you know he's never hung around with iron man and captain america and thor he's never been in the space he's never been to these other dimensions so i liked him being sort of the, the new fresh face on the team and then yeah part of that has been exploring like wh- what makes him different what are his powers uh, and and we're starting to see more of that like you said in Avengers forever and realizing like oh this guy is um you know not just that he can sort of the uh, grab your car keys and hop in your car and turn it into a ghost rider ride like his powers are quite a step beyond that so um like we kind of send him and tony stark flying around in the you know goes in in robbie's a uh, hell charger flying through space and through different dimensions sort of you know a bit of like a crazy rick and morty sort of adventure <laughs> with those dudes so I, I love just him you know driving his car between universes um and that's really just the beginning of of what we'll see that that robbie can do so Robbie's a big part of everything that i'm doing in avengers going forward and it's leveling the character up, but again, also trying to be true to who that character has always been, you know, who he was created to be in the pages of his own book.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of comments and questions here that I wanted to read through. First of all, a couple of shout-outs for Jane Foster Thor. Ben, the Border Collie says, Jason, just want to tell you that your mighty Thor is my favorite run in superhero comics. You helped Jane Foster become a wonderfully realized character. I have a Mjolnir tattoo because her story resonated so much with me. No questions, so just a thank you. So do I. Hey, Aww, there yeah. we go. Uh, and straight bullet adds to Double Dad on bed statement, Jane Foster is my favorite Thor... What is, what's it like to see this, not just this ongoing love for the character, but also obviously Natalie Portman's going to be here in the movie. There's, she showed up in cartoons and books and everything like this. So to
2: see that sort of thing blowed out,
0: what's that experience been like?
2: Here? Oh, it's been, you know, amazing the whole time. Like from when we were doing the book to even now, like the, the response to that, um, the whole Jane Foster story has been really special. It's been really, you know, deeper and more emotional than probably anything else I've ever done. Certainly anything I've done at Marvel. Um, you know, that that was the first time I ever did signings for a book where people would be crying and I would start crying and everybody's oh. crying. And, you know, I, I cried writing that, that last issue, the issue, I
0: cried the last issue it.
2: of her, the death of the mighty Thor. Like oh. there was a page that made me cry when I wrote it. And then I sent it off and Russell cried while he was drawing it and probably Matt <laughs> cried while he was coloring it. Um, like, and, and again, I kind of speak, goes back to what I was talking about of how I'm doing. I just want to do stuff that affects me emotionally. And and that absolutely did. And I think it affected everybody who worked on that book and so many people who've read it. And that still, still blows me away the response to that and, and, you know, blows me away that, that, that they're doing this movie and I'm, uh, super excited with with what's going on there, um, and just excited to you know buy all the new Jane Foster Thor toys and statues that come <laughs> up this year and add them to my my guest room is like the it's like the Jason Aaron Presidential Library. It's like all wow. full of books I wrote and just toys and statues from from shit I've done. It's like, it, I mean it's pretty. I, th- I think nobody can stand to sleep in there except my mom. She loves it. It's like my, <laughs> it's like my mom's room. Um, are,
0: are you going to get a uh, cameo in the movie like Kelly Sue DeConnick and Captain Marvel? Did you uh, did you insist? On I wish. That
2: yeah, contract? Taika Taika hasn't hasn't called oh, me, yeah. you know, to get my cameo yet. But I don't know. I felt like I could be a Viking or you know the god of beards or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll uh, see.
1: Here, hey, here's a question from. from sorry what you could be hanging out at the bar, you
2: know, and just kind of give Thor one of those, you know what I mean? Right. She, I mean, it's Thor could punch me in the face, like whatever.
0: (laughs) Uh, this is from Jolene here in the comments on crowdcast question for Jason based entirely on the Malachi black shirt. What wrestler would be best suited for a comic book adventures like El Santo?
2: It's a great question. Um, you know, I, the, I think I tweeted some point, um, years back that I would I would write a would love to write a Bray Wyatt comic back when he was still with WWE. Um, he's not he's not wrestling anywhere right now. But um, he, I, I mean, I would have absolutely done that if WWE wanted to hire me. Um, so I mean, like these days. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm mostly an AEW guy these days. Um, so I'd still I still love um, Malachi Black and the House of Black. Those guys are awesome i'd do a book about them i'd do a darby allen comic um i don't know i, I feel like it'd be fun to write uh mjf in a, in a comic to write a guy that's that much of an asshole like god <laughs> i'd he it, 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 it takes me but like i when i watch him i remember being a kid and watching wrestling and i was rick flair would make me so mad like i hated that guy mm-hmm. so much like, it just, he would make me angry for me, like, watching him on TV, which now I look back and, like, holy shit, like, how amazing was that? And to see, like, that guy, to be able to do that today in a way that really most other wrestlers aren't as, like, old school hated as as MJF. Um, like, I went to see uh, AEW when they were in town a couple months ago, and i the show was amazing. At one point I'm like, man, I really got a piss. So I hop over the barricade to like go to the bathroom and then MJF's music hits and I was like, shit. I just, <laughs> <laughs> like I can hold it. I can hold it. Like I can't miss this. Um it was great. So yeah, I'm a I'm a huge, huge wrestling fan. I'd, you know, I'd I'd write i I'd write a CM Punk comic. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. I mean it'd be weird since I've, you know, had coffee with him, but um uh, that's I'd a comic it.
0: right there just uh sitting down having coffee with cm C- punk See
2: that? <laughs> right
0: uh i did uh we got a question here about the goddamned uh from edward doherty any more the goddamn soon that's a great book
2: yeah the, i wouldn't say soon but yeah there'll definitely be more that's the plan i mean the idea has kind of always been with the goddamn that it's not really one linear story it's sort of different stories it's all set within the same world you know the world of the the pre pre-flood biblical world a world that's so com completely fucked up and crazy and out of control that god looks down and it's like we're just gonna fucking kill everybody and start over <laughs> so i mean that's the premise of the god damned and we're the ideas will just jump around and do different stories and you you know we've done the two volumes so far and you kind of see at the end of the second one how it how it connects to the first. And so there'll be more stuff like that. Um, not exactly sure what that'll be next. If we're looking at doing another mini series or maybe something more anthology style with a lot of different shorter stories. Like I kind of have a different ideas I'd like to do within that world. And Gara, um, you know, who I did the first two with is, is busy doing other stuff right now. Uh, and it, you know, I, I think you can see, especially from that second volume, like how much he puts into that the the art on that series. Like, it's really pretty, pretty staggering. Um, Uh, I'm
0: curious because you've mentioned a couple of times with other books that uh, while we've been talking that, like, it's fun and you're having fun doing this. But the Goddamned is a book, even if there are big action sequences. At the end of every issue, it's like, hey, you think this is bad? It's worse. It's getting terrible. So does that take you to a darker place? Or is there still something fun in terms of putting these characters through the ringer?
2: I mean, you know, it, it's definitely a very dark and pessimistic book. Um Which, yeah, I mean, I suppose it does take me to dark places at times, but absolutely. I mean, I think there is a lot of stuff in there that gives me joy. I mean, from part of it's like I love caveman comics, (laughs) Um, you know, from Devil Dinosaur to Tor to anything that's dudes killing each other with, you know, with with sticks and stones and running around with dinosaurs. I love all those books. So, I mean, this is me doing a caveman comic, pretty much, right? Like it's. They're, they're, all the weapons are made out of bone or sharpened rocks and there's all sorts of uh, strange monsters running around. Um, I also love, um, you know, apocalyptic stories and this is very much like the the very first end of the world story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff like Uh, I love Lone Wolf and Cub. I love um, samurai stories. I think you you can see a lot of different things that make me happy sprinkled into the goddamn in in the midst of all the really, really horrible events that are happening in a really dark view of the world. But again, like, I didn't make this story up, right? I didn't create this premise. I'm just (laughs) adapting it from the Bible. Like, if you think it's too dark, well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, write, well write the, you could email the writers of the Bible and complain to them and, and one other one that you have going right now
0: is uh, King Conan is happening and that is awesome I've been having a blast reading the book I do have one big question for you though uh-huh. is it's King Conan and immediately he leaves his kingdom and goes somewhere else so why sure. why that choice?
2: Well that's good. a fair question I mean I think the well, there's kind of two narratives playing out over the course of this book, right? Like there's the sort of the present day of it, of King Conan, um, where he sort of sailing beyond the the known the the maps of Hyborian civilization and seeing what else is out there and kind of going on, you know, one last hurrah. And then there's the story of uh, why he left that throne. Uh, and we've kind of just gotten a little bit of that so far. You get the next issue, issue four, is very much about that, uh, of sort of what happened. And it, it's a big, it's really a story about a father and a son. You know, I liked writing scenes with, with Conan and uh, Conan II, Prince Khan. Um, and next issue really dives into what that relationship is like. What's it like to have Conan as a dad?
0: Hmm. and uh before we let you go is there anything else you're working on that you want to plug i mean we've obviously talked about a lot but anything else happening
2: well i think we named i mean that's everything i've kind of got going on right now that um that we can talk about uh i will say that i well i what else i feel like i'm forgetting something but i do i got a thor a, a story in the next issue of thor is it Thor number 24? I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, so me going back to Thor for a little bit, sort of, you know, it's a big issue. It's got stories by, of course, uh, Donnie Cates, um, and Nick Klein, the current Thor team, but Walt Simonson and, uh, J Michael Straczynski. Oh, wow. It's like a, you know, murderers row of, of Thor, um, creators. So I got to do a, a little story with death Pastoris, who i worked with on god of thunder he drew that the really great um it's like the oh, yeah. thor getting drunk with dragons um story um so i got to work with him again on a story that kind of ties into stuff i've been doing in avengers it, it focuses on you know the prehistoric odin awesome. and his his relationship with the with the mm-hmm. hammer um but yeah other than that like you said i'm uh uh been working on king conan punisher just started avengers avengers forever going forward um i can't tell you what it is or even where where it is but last week or week before that just within the last two weeks i wrote the first issue of a new creator on book Ooh, that that's exciting. hopefully it'll be out Ooh. before the end of the year we'll see uh which felt really really good which again is It's like kind of one of those things that's very different than anything else I've done before. Um, Oh, it'll be exciting to talk about it once we can talk about it. Um, Yeah, and beyond that, I've been doing some other stuff uh, outside of comics, which has been cool. Uh, And, oh, you know, it's been, I mean, been a strange couple of years for all of us, (laughs) right? Like me included. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think being cocooned for so long, and then you know, starting to emerge from the cocoon and look around and take state of the world and of myself and my life and my work and all that sort of stuff. I think I'm, I'm still figuring all that out and kind of what the what that'll look like going forward. But I think you'll the idea for me at least is you'll start to see a little more balance between my work for higher stuff and my creator own stuff the creator own parts sort of dropped off a little bit for me let's uh, say certainly in the last you know year um, so you'll definitely see that pick up more um, and i uh, yeah i don't know i'm i'm really excited about the stuff i'm uh, i've got going on you know i think when i started thor was one example of where i could feel like okay, I'm doing this book at the right time. This is the right book for me at this moment in time. I felt that way soon as I started Punisher, right in that first issue of Punisher. Um, I feel that way about that creator-owned book that I wrote, you know, two weeks ago. I feel that about all the new stuff I've got coming up. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, it feels good to emerge from the co- cocoon and see people again i feel like i've forgotten how to speak to people so Mm -hmm. thank you for being patient with (laughs) me tonight um no problem so yeah oh awesome jason
0: thank you so much for taking the time loving the books and looking forward to whatever this creator-owned thing is as well as everything else
2: cool thank thanks all you guys thanks everybody for
0: listening have a good night yeah take care of yourself all right there we go Jason Aaron, oh, uh, stuff to check out. As he mentioned, Punisher Woo-hoo! Avengers, Avengers forever. You can check out the Goddamned, uh, which is a great book. Like we said, very dark and King Conan among everything else that he publishes, which is super cool. Um, Pete, you doing all right. You okay there? Yeah, I'm just,
1: uh, I, I'm just so excited. Uh, he gave us just a little bit of a tease of what's coming in the, uh, Punisher, uh, Twelve uh, issues that uh, that I'm very very yeah. Very that first issue, about.
0: if anybody hasn't picked it up, I mean, I, uh, Pete, you're obviously a Punisher fan who was a little bit nervous about this run. I'm not the biggest Punisher fan. Yeah, I was very nervous because of the creative team, and I think it worked for both of us. Even though we're, it's like a whole Jack Spratt yeah. situation. And it's just impressive to get floored by a character that
1: you've. Uh, known for so long you know the fact that i'm not outraged <laughs> i'm impressed about yeah. what's happened you know like i i can't believe uh what this is going to mean for the yeah. character and how i love it. that
0: as a pull quote for the cover of the trade collection i was not outraged <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of not outraged I'm actually delighted about our next section which is my favorite section because you all make it up it is your audience questions and for audience questions I already see a bunch of them over here in Crowdcast under ask a question if you're watching on YouTube you can drop them in the comments section so I gotta figure out how computers work Pete at some yeah. point you know what I'm talking about
2: why don't we they go to the questions of- here
0: we got one From Jolene, are there any fears or worries that Moon Knight will follow the long line of Hollywood adaptations that mostly erase or ignores the Jewish heritage of the main character? Feels like outside of Magneto and never comes up in these adaptations. Um, Yeah, probably. What? You know, you're Jewish. Oh, okay. Right? So how do you feel? Are you saying classic podcast character Alex Albin? It comes up all the time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Is that what you're going to get? Yeah. Um, No, you know, honestly, like, Moon Knight is one of those characters, to be quite honest, that I think it's fine. Like, I like the fact that he's Jewish, but it's never, aside from some more recent books or some more glaring examples where it's like, all right, calm down, buddy, uh, really been the biggest part of the character. Like, there are other characters that are more explicitly Jewish- like Kitty Pride walking around with a Jewish star. Um, ben Grimm, not really. It's only tangentially mentioned. There's not a lot of Jewish characters anyway. But I don't know. I, there, there are things like, for example, I think Kate Cade Batwoman is a good example of someone that I was kind of bummed that they didn't erase but they generally left off that part of her character because it felt like a bigger part in the comic books moon knight is something that if they don't deal with it in the show as long as he's not like i love christmas and i celebrate every christmas as a christian (laughs) it's not gonna really bother me that much there's enough other things that are going on with moon knight that i think it'll be fine personally um, so there you go. We got one from YouTube. Nelson Martinez says, who was, I just that- want to say, I um, hope
1: he's super Jewish.
0: You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, just like keep going. What are you about to say? Pete? <laughs> Where are you going with this? I th- here again, like not to spend too much time on this, but I do think there was a very specific example of there were, they added a character on fear of the walking dead. And mind you, it was a rabbi character but it's the sort of thing that when they got to that and he was a rabbi character and he was hiding out in a synagogue, I was like, oh, right. I've been watching these shows for 11 years and there are no Jews. That's weird. And even though it was like the most over-the-plate example of adding a Jewish character, I legitimately felt like, as a person who has spent an extraordinary amount of time watching Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead World Beyond, reading the comics, all these things, I was like, oh, I actually do feel... I understand what representation means now watching this because I am seeing a character who is being treated well. They are a fun character to watch. They bring something different to the show. And the absolute best decision they made, frankly, on Fear of the Walking Dead was when they introduced the rabbi character. There was another character played by Mo Collins that was like, yeah, I'm Jewish. What are you talking about? I'm also Jewish. So it was like they added this rabbi character that a character who you didn't know was Jewish the entire time Revealed that they were Jewish. It was like, yeah, I'm the same person. I'm Jewish. Now that we have this rabbi here, maybe we'll do some, you know, like prayers and stuff and celebrate Rosh Hashanah. But that was that was perfect because you got like both of those sides, the more casual moon night type thing of like, oh, yeah, also they're Jewish. But also you got more explicitly to be able to talk about stuff like this. So Uh, Stray Bullet is calling me out for talking about Walking Dead. My point here is that I think there's different types of representation that you can do, and there are explicit representations and non-explicit representations, and both of them are fine um, from a comic reader's perspective as long as it's somewhat true to the source material, I think it's going to be okay. Why don't we go over to YouTube? Nelson Martinez says, who wins the fantasy battle between Guardians of the Galaxy and Vox Machina? Also, did you get a chance to see Vox Machina yet, Pete? Whew, glad I, I didn't get asked that question. Yeah, no, I have not.
1: Um, damn it. I dropped the ball on that. Uh, what is that on? Vox Machina? I believe that's yeah. Prime Video. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Yeah, the, it's the animated that I've been dying to see. Mm-hmm. God damn it. You know, I was fucking around the other day going, there was something I'm supposed to be watching, and I couldn't figure it out, and now it just clicked for me. God damn it. All right. I've written it down on my calendar Wait, here. the
0: thing you're supposed to remember to watch, that's Adventures of Power, right? <laughs> <laughs> eh? Call back. Uh, uh. Uh, to answer your question, Nelson, I don't know. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, that's the one that I've seen. They would win. They seem pretty powerful. Uh, we got a question here from Edward Doherty. What generally good but too often used concepts or story tropes in comics should be retired or left alone for a period? Great it's question. It's you know sometimes
1: when things get uh, you know like starting in the middle of action and then you flash back to a little bit more of an origin story. Like just when they get old, sometimes they find a new way to do it to really realize why it's great in the first place so it's hard to be like oh man this trope because there's a lot of people who can find creative ways to kind of uh, dust it off and make it new again um, you know and it all really depends on how good the idea is how good the writing is and how well it's executed but um, I'm trying to think of stro- I, I'm a sucker for tropes you know what I mean I <laughs> I guess I'm the wrong person to ask because I love a good will-they-won't-they. I love a good like starting in the middle of action and then give me the boring story part. Wait, you you just said you
0: don't like that.
1: Well, I'm just saying it's a trope that's overused. That doesn't mean that I don't like it. Um, So
0: This is a very specific comic book one that drives me a little nuts just because I can always see it happening every time. But invariably, when they introduce a proactive superhero team where they're like, you know, we're tired of always chasing after the criminals all the, after they've already done stuff. Let's be proactive. Let's go out and like, we'll get them, prevent things before they happen. That's always the first arc of the book. The second arc of the book, invariably, is that team gets attacked in their headquarters by some supervillains. Every single time. I don't know why this happens, but it drives me insane because they introduce it, which is already like not enough it's... people actually know how to do proactive. I think a good example of a proactive scene, X-Men Red by Tom Taylor was great and actually did it correctly and did not follow up with the second arc where they're attacked to their headquarters. But every single time that happens and it drives me a little insane. There's well,
1: obviously- this karma. That's karma. You put something out there like that, you're going to get mm-hmm. bitten in the ass.
0: You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This is from Kevin. DC has announced another set of 16 potential titles, only one of which will make it to publication. In that spirit, what are some announced, proposed, but never released comic titles that you really wish had been made? To elaborate further... Uh, on what Kevin is saying. They had a thing last year called Round Robin, where they had a bunch of Robin titles. We ended up with Robin's The Tim Seeley book that we talked to Tim about. Which was amazing. So good. I mean, come on. This time, there are a bunch of non-Robin titles. There are other things from throughout the DC universe. They all seem like very fun, specific uh, concepts, excuse me, but only one of them is going to actually get done. So what do you think? Is there anything that hasn't been finished that you would like to see. Uh, Edward Doherty called uh, Guyman's Miracle Man run should have been finished. Given yes. that they seem to be introducing Miracle Man in some way into the Marvel Universe upcoming, maybe they will. Oh.
1: What about you, I, Pete? I don't know. There's nothing like uh, uh, that's hitting me
0: off the... T- oh, Pete froze. Well, that's it. It's solo show for Alex time. Oh, no, no, no Um, froze. Oh, you froze. You're back. You're back. Okay, great. No? Cool. Still
1: froze? No,
0: no, you're there. You're good.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know nothing off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I will say it was hard to vote for that stuff, but there was one book called Captain Carrot and His Best Friend Darkseid where I was like, well, that's going to win. Oh, wow. Right? That just sounds... Putting those two characters together sounds insane, but... It's like the odd couple of comics. I would read it, yeah. Yeah. From Stray Bullet, Jason Aaron talked about writing comics he likes. What comic would you write if you could write any comic currently running or a new property?
1: That's uh, easy. I would write Punisher. Mm. Wow, you would take the job away from
0: Jason Aaron. That's oh, our, pl- oh our, shut our the fuck very, guess for, I would
1: clearly let him... Do his thing and, and then patiently wait for my turn, uh, and then uh, write a small little, uh, adorable Punisher
0: story. Hmm. Um, gosh, what would I write that's currently running? Uh, a squirrel Girl book that would be fun, yeah. Yeah, there you go. that's that's what you could have predicted. That uh, we got a question here from YouTube a la Abigail Blossom. Do you guys one or two shots of butter in your pint of beer? Uh, this is a reference to this week's Riverdale, where one of the characters said the beer was too tangy, I believe, and needed a Some little butter, more butter. Butter beer, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a Hogwarts shout-out at first. but you I know, think maybe it was. I and... looked it up after the episode, because I was like, the characters from the 1600s or something like that, I was like, did people do that? But I think it was actually a Hogwarts shout-out, because she's magical. And, oh, Cool. I thought just, you know, in general, people had more like lard in their uh, drinks. You know what I mean? I mean, it just kind of sloughed off in there for the most part. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I do. It's just around. There's a lot of fat it's just, around. A, it's, a round of, it's just laying around. It gets in the beer. <laughs> 100%. All right, uh, guys, we're going to wrap up your audience questions. Well, I just wanted the...
1: to shout out somebody putting in a Cheryl question in the uh, Q&A. I appreciate that. I mean. Uh, Absolutely. Shoney's going to happen. It's, it's it's slowly but surely working its way back in, and it's going to be amazing.
0: Oh, my goodness. You're going to bring this in every podcast. We're going to turn every podcast into a Riverdale podcast. Uh, all right. Why don't we move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Oh, sorry.
1: I was fooling
0: All right. All right. Hey, subs. Uh, hey, do we have... Do we need a volunteer? Do we got We somebody? need a volunteer today. So if anybody would like to do trivia... Ideally on Crowdcast, raise your hand or say hey First or me, up. but on YouTube, you can comment as well. It just is a little delayed and awkward, um, but if anybody wants to do it, just let us know. We haven't had Sarah without an H on, have we? Well, you don't want to you don't want to bully anybody into doing it, but you are going to get a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. I'll also, drop the link here in the chats if anybody wants to sign up in advance. I was just running very slow today, and I did not email anybody. Hey, it
1: happens. Man. I remember the time I forgot to do charity.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. Well, I'll tell you what. If we don't get a volunteer, as we talked about last week, we will all compete $25 for charity. Or it's on YouTube if you want. Or yeah, you just totally. don't want to do the relay. No, no, no. There's just nobody raising their hands. <laughs> okay. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to do it, Pete. I'm going to do it. All right. $25 up, dollars for charity. Uh what's what's a good charity these days? What's going on? Uh, it's nothing it's really happening confirmed. in the world, I guess. You know what? I'll I'll just take twenty five dollars to midtown comics. No, I'm kidding. Uh I'll probably I'll I'll look up something. Um oh Pablo mentions the Ukraine Hero Initiative. Now? That might be a good one. Um yeah. we'll find something good and I will tweet out where we send it to. You. But Pete, hit me. All right. <laughs> Today's trip
1: is on topical comic news. And a small nod to the legend, Sally Kellerman. R.I.P. All right, here we go. Please listen to all three options, Salves, before you make your selection.
0: Okay. This is going to be hard, actually. This is the uh, point of the show when I kind of tune out a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's (sighs) going to be tough for you. Here we go. And I'm not giving any hints. All right. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, here we go. Question number one. What is the next big dc event is it a nighttime crisis b dark crisis or c
0: eric roberts eric roberts is a pretty big event in any movie that he's in but i'm gonna go for b dark crisis you are correct sir congratulations here we go question number two
1: and again no hints Tom McFarlane's iconic Spider-Man work is going to be collected in the new blank. Is it A, Wu-Tang album, B, artist edition, or is it C, Margaret Cho? So it's Man, a, a lot. Wu-Tang,
0: I know or Jim B, Lee's Lee. art was collected in a Wu-Tang album, so I feel like that, but I'm going to go for B again. I'm going to say B. Yes. He is correct. Wow. All right.
1: Okay. Here we go. Last one. In, in Avengers mm. Forever, number five. I almost said Avengers Five Ever. Just Girls Five Ever. Coming
0: back. Uh,
1: group. But anyways, uh, Paul Penn is just uh, magical. Anyways, who is taking over all of the roles? And we're talking about the next uh, mm-hmm. Avengers Forever, number five. Is it A- man
0: bun, B man thing, or is it C Marley, Marley Matlin? Is that who you're saying? That's not my answer. I was just checking. It's B, B again. Wow. You are correct. All right. Well, we are going to donate $25 to a charity of my choice. And if you would like to compete in trivia, please sign up at the forum. I swear that I'll actually look at it in advance next time, my bad. Meanwhile, new comic books are coming out all the way uh, Oh yes, excuse me, I'm sorry. Yes, what's the secret movie?
1: Pete? Did you? Yeah, did you get it? It wasn't very clear. As soon as you heard Eric Roberts, you're like, well, it, it's not best of the best, so it's got to be
0: uh, Pretty Woman.
1: Wow, dude, that's Notting Julia Hill. Roberts. That's oh, Julia okay. Roberts. Yeah, right. this is the other one. Uh, anyways, yeah. I'm talking about the obviously the 1996 classic. It's my party.
0: <laughs> Amazing. R.I.P. Hot Lips. Now, new comic books are coming out all the time. Pete, what are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? What do you want to check out? Well, first off, there's a ton of great stuff coming out. It's
1: all uh, it's uh, it's a lot to be excited for. Um, I'm looking forward to, and since Justin's not here, I'm gonna take a couple extra. I'm looking for step by bloody step number two, Shadow War Alpha number one, X-Men Unlimited Latitude number one, wow, and Hulk Grand Design
0: Monster number one. A lot of number ones. Lot of number ones of trying to find something that you didn't say that I'm looking to. Yeah, make you to. work a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to say The Harbinger, number six from Valiant Comics, because mm. Faith is back. Great character. Very excited to see her back. Very excited to talk about that book with you. And all of these books, in fact, are going to be in our Stack podcast, which is what? in the... I know. You Comic Book Club say. feed and also its own dedicated Stack feed, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And folks... Unbelievable how that keeps That happening. is it for this week's show... Thank you so much to our guest, Jason Aaron, for coming on. Don't forget to check out Punisher, Avengers, Avengers Forever, The Goddamn King Conan, and many more things. Next week, we're going to have a packed show. Plaid Klaus is going to be here to talk about Hive Mind. Juan Espinosa is going to be here to talk about Adventures of a System Admin. Justin Belmont is going to be here to talk about Smokes the Fox and Weaponized Werewolf. So lots of guests, lots wow, of fun. Seems a lot. Just a good time. All right, I'll cut one of the guests, but I won't tell Okay, which good. one. Okay, yeah. the we, got a, bit. we got Please. a couple of other things to plug. Riverdale After Dark, Riverdale podcast is back, in case you couldn't tell, um, with Pete talking about Shodi. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is back talking about Moon Knight tomorrow so check out that feed as the episode drops in your ears if you want to support this podcast and other podcasts we do patreon.com slash comic book club itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe listen and follow at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night
2: Thanks everybody, happy hey, birthday Sarah
1: with all of you, happy baby birthday everyone.